My name is Pastor Joe Marlin. Whether you're here in person, whether you are watching online, we're so glad you joined us today. We're going to dive right into our scripture today. It's found in Joshua chapter 3, and I'm going to read this short chapter for your hearing. Follow along on the screen or in your Bible. Joshua started early, somebody say early, early. the next morning and left the Acacia Grove with the Israelites. They went as far as the Jordan and stayed there before crossing. After three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, when you see the Ark of the Covenant, the Lord your God carried by the Levitical priests, you are to break camp and follow it. But keep a distance about a thousand yards between yourselves and the ark. Do not go near it so that you can see the way to go. For you haven't traveled this way before. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves because the Lord will do wonders among you tomorrow. Then he said to the priests, carry the ark of the covenant and go ahead of the people. And so they carried the Ark of the Covenant and went ahead of them. The Lord spoke to Joshua. Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel. So they will know that I will be with you just as I, just as I was with Moses. Command the priests, carry the Ark of the Covenant. And when you reach the edge of the water, stand in the Jordan. Then Joshua told the Israelites, come closer and give and listen to the words of the Lord your God. He said, you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly dispossess before you the Canaanites, the Hethites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. When the ark of the covenant of the Lord of the whole earth goes ahead of you into the Jordan. Now choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one man for each tribe. And when the feet of the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of the whole earth, come to rest in the Jordan's water, its waters will be cut off. The water flowing downstream will stand in a mass. When the people broke camp and crossed the Jordan, the priests carried the Ark of the Covenant ahead of the people. Now the Jordan overflows its bank throughout the harvest season. But as soon as the priests carried the Ark across the, and reached the Jordan, their feet touched the water at its edge. Sorry. And the... And the water flowing downstream stood still, rising up in a mass that extended as far as Adam in a city near Zarethan. The flowing water downstream into the Sea of Araba, the Dead Sea, was completely cut off, and the people crossed opposite Jericho. The priests carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood firmly on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan, while Israel crossed on the dry ground until the entire nation had finished crossing the Jordan. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. 
So last week, we, we learned about the faith of Rahab, right? And, and the spies and all of that. And this week, we're going to look at the faith of all of God's people. Right? So we, we honed in on one person and the choices they made. And remember how appropriate and how encouraging it is that the person that like embodied faith was somebody in a really bad situation who just made the next best move they could, right? Literally, a prostitute makes a move of faith and looks at her people, her city, her nation, her family, and says, you know what, instead, instead of just going with that, I'm going to go with these foreign people and their God. I see what is happening. I see how the Red Sea was dried up. I see how the people fell before God's folks. And we are going to just put our trust in the God of Israel. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing because... We can all imagine that she is still in a bad situation before and after. God isn't waiting for you to completely clean up your life, for you to make a move of faith towards him. But tonight, we get to look at the faith of all of God's people, the whole nation. <laughs> They're standing before the Jordan. It's time to cross it and enter the promised land. And how is this going to happen? Well, it's going to happen. They're going to be led by the presence of God. And there's all these instructions, right? There's going to be the priests, and they're going to bring out the Ark of the Covenant, right? You're going to have the law of God, the tablets, with the Ten Commandments, and they're going to they're gonna have to stay a thousand feet behind, right? They're going to have to have these, these, these holy men are going to have to be in the middle. They're going to have to stay in the middle where the presence of God is going to keep the water back so that the nation can cross through. But how did this all happen? God used Joshua this is so easy for us to just like gloss over. When you see that God is telling Joshua stuff, like if you aren't super familiar with the scriptures, you might just think, well, that's what God does, right? He just talks to people. That's like the Bible stories. Nope. <laughs> God talks to Moses like that. And God is talking to Joshua like that. But he's not talking to all the people in the Old Testament like that. This is amazing. God is giving direction to Joshua the way he gave direction to Moses. This is an incredible thing. God spoke to him, and he was in this presence. And it's, it's in the presence of God. Listen to me, church. It's in the presence of God where God's power breaks out. It's where vision is given. It's where clarity is received. And if you, you know, have a Christian library, praise God. Amen. If you hang around this church, I'm just going to keep giving you books. And after a few years, you're going to have a library if you never had one before, right? <laughs> that's kind of how, if anybody's been hanging out here for a while knows that's how it is, right? 
Like, I want you to be grounded. I want you to know stuff. I want you to read. I want you to, like, expand your horizons. Amen? But, but what's even more important than that is not so much that your head be full, but your heart be blown away with a vision of God. And this church is a reading church, but it's also a praying church. In fact, we've been praying every Thursday morning since this fall. We reorganized and restarted our time of prayer. And last week, we were bursting out of the seams, and we've been slowly growing week after week. It was to the point where Melissa was like, we are going to have to move and be in another room because God is bringing so many people to prayer. I have learned early on as a Christian that prayer is what always gives birth to these moves of God. Like God is not waiting for like a super talented person. <laughs> he is not waiting for, for you to just like have every single thing in your life right. <laughs> But every single day we go without prayer is a day that we are saying to God's face, like, I got this. And newsflash, you don't. I don't. I don't got it without God. I need him every day. I need him in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening, right? As soon as I pray, it's like, I got to pray again. And you know what? I'm okay with that. Like, I'm okay with just needing God for the rest of my life. I'm okay with not getting some, like, special dispensation of momentum from him where I'm just successful and I no longer need him. I'm okay with the fact that if I'm not praying, you can tell. Some people can kind of fake it. I can't. <laughs> you know? And I'm okay with that. I need the Lord. We all need the Lord. Even if we can fake the funk, we need Jesus for anything real to happen. And so we see in this passage, we see Joshua got up early. <laughs> when I was a new Christian, you know, I was like, all right, that's cool. Everybody's different. Some people stay up late. Other people get up early. But there is something to this, guys. There is something to this. I was curious, and I looked these things up. And it talks about Abraham getting up early to be with God three times. It talks about Moses getting up early and be with God on his mount five times. Joshua gets up early six times. Gideon got up early. Samuel got up early, right? David got up early. David got up early before he was a king. And then David was getting up early when he was a king. We get up early and, and, and say, you know what? We need God when things are bad and we got to plan. We got to make things happen. When the rent isn't paid, when we're not sure how we're going to fix our life, how we're going to get things going, and then we need God when things look pretty stable. Because God is always calling us to more. 
He's always challenging us to do more for him. Amen? And of course, Jesus is constantly getting up early. <laughs> Jesus needed to get away from people. Jesus needed to climb up the mountain. Jesus needed to get on the boat and get away and slip out of the crowd and just be with his Father. Newsflash, right? Again, if Jesus, the Son of God, needed this, I need it more. <laughs> you need it. You need the sanity that comes from meeting with God. You need the healthy perspective, the honest perspective of yourself that comes with meeting with your Father. <sighs> and so I just want to encourage us as we've been doing this, we're looking at how Joshua kind of emulates Moses. And, you know, just like he sent the spies, Joshua is also going to lead God's people. And God is going to stop the River Jordan just like he stopped the Red Sea with Moses. Amen? And so there's, there's a, a measure of the anointing that was on Moses is on Joshua. But part of the reason for that is because Joshua is like Moses in getting up early and climbing up that mount and being with his father. He didn't live on the faith of others. He didn't live on like, you know what, my, my oh wow, wow, my grandma, my grandfather, like they were really, really religious. And I kind of am, I'm kind of riding the wave of their wishes. <laughs> I was wilding out when I was younger, but now I'm back in church, and I'm kind of just like riding one of these waves, right, of like other people in my family that had these wishes that I would be in church and I would do this or that. And no, Joshua has a real relationship with God for himself. And while the anointing is similar, the relationship is unique. And he invites you into a relationship with him. He invites us all. And so we are called, I'm going to be bold here and say, you are called to get up. Do you hear me? I wasn't there all the time. There, I wasn't there with it. I was like, whatever, you know what I mean? Like different people, different strokes for different folks, right? But no, you are called to get up. You are called not to be stuck at home, not to be just depressed, not to be doing nothing and being nothing, but God has called you to get up and pray and plan and attack the things that he's called you to do in his life. He hasn't called you to lay down and hide. He's called you to do stuff. And so we need to go. We need to get after it. And you, like Joshua, you need clarity you need strength, and you need to know that God is going to do some stuff through you. You don't have the calling Joshua had. That's okay. You've got your calling. <laughs> There's some stuff that God wants you to get after. And so you need to meet with the boss. Do you hear me? You need to meet with your boss. You need to get some guidance, some instruction, some strength, some courage. Everything worth anything is born in prayer. It really is. Um, when I was a new Christian, 
I went to a church that just loved to pray. There was a um, different prayer meeting every day of the week. I would love that. I would love that. That's, in fact, that is my heart. You know, we're going to talk about, you know, taking over this building in our congregational meeting. And, and, and my dream and my heart is that this place could be a spot that people could go in seven days a week and be loved on and ministered to and pray. Because people don't plan their personal crises on a Sunday. <laughs> They don't plan their openness to God and their readiness to, be, to receive a word from him and to be encouraged on a certain hour on a Sunday. And so, our, 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 yeah, we had, we had prayer meetings. And one prayer meeting I went to was this men's prayer meeting. And I learned, you know, I'm a Christian for a day, right? I just got saved. I'm 16. I'm going to these prayer meetings. And what do I see? I see a bunch of men who are praying and they're teaching me how to repent. There are these guys that are like, I'm looking up to them like they got it all figured out, right? They got the houses with the bookcases and the books, <laughs> you know? They, 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 they have stable lives. They, they're, they're like, they were married and they had kids, right? Mom and dad, I'm like scratching my head. That wasn't really how, where I, I didn't come from that, you know? And, and I'm hanging out with these guys, and they're, they're t crying every Friday morning, and they're praying for guys like me in the struggle. And they're praying about how God might call them to be a father to those, to be an uncle to those, to, to be a friend to those who are struggling. They were praying for the individual people in the church by name with a ton of love in their heart and fire in their bones to see God break generational curses, to see men and women be remade, to see people set free from addiction, to see God show up, and he did. But they also prayed for the world. Man, I remember that, right? And they had the map. You know, and they would open up the book, Operation World, and we would pray for different countries. We'd pray, and we prayed, right, and we would track all this stuff. we prayed for this specific group of people until they translated the Bible into that language. And then we praise God for how he answered. And so I learned to become a man of prayer for the people around me, for all the needs and brokenness, on the corner of the block to the corner and ends of the earth. That God just is this God that swoops us up into his mission. I also learned how to repent. And so these, these men that I was impressed with that were leaders in the church, um, they were just like extremely honest. They talk about how their minds wander and how they need grace and how they struggle and how they judge. And every sin that every single person here struggles with. And how they fought together and kept each other in accountability and loved each other. And I watched men get set free from pornography, from alcoholism, from all kinds of things. And that's the lessons that I learned as a new Christian. 
Everything worth anything is born out of prayer. You know, it's like, it's like this church was an answer to so much prayer. You know, the, 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 I remember the, 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 the big warehouse in Roxbury where we get our food. That was born out of prayer. We, we prayed and we just followed God and we took each step, the step after the next. Every year it grew and it was a massive step of faith. And I was there from the beginning when it was my personal cell phone in the local paper and we were giving out 100 hams for Easter. And now it's a 12-month-a-year operation moving 20 tons of food to like 80 churches a month. Amen? Like, everything worth anything is born out of prayer. I really mean it. Like, it's not about being smart and coming together and planning things out perfectly. We want to be smart. We want to plan things out. We want to be transparent. We don't want to do things in some spooky way that's private and you can't understand it. We want it all to be on paper. We want to submit it to God. We want to use the common sense he's given us. But I'm telling you, the steps we have made have been steps that came out of hours and hours of prayer and the Holy Ghost leading us in this direction or that direction. And that's why there's been a youth ministry. And that's why we've done healing retreats. These weren't just like ideas. We weren't like sitting there on a whiteboard just like, like, no, like, oh, man, this is what is needed here. Let's keep building. Let's keep moving in this direction. Kids club, grocery, out, every single thing. We need to be led by God. It has been said that faith is not believing in spite of the evidence, but obeying despite the consequences. Let me say that again. Faith is not believing in spite of the evidence, but obeying despite the consequences. There are things in life where God is calling you to go a certain direction, and it will not necessarily be obvious that on the other side of that decision is blessing. But it's what God has called you to. And for some, it's just showing up to church. And it feels like there's no benefit. And there won't be from coming one day, necessarily. But when you follow in faith step after step like I talked about last week right and you just make the next best move for right now God will honor your faith I used to think that that we lacked wisdom when I was like a new pastor you always know, pray for wisdom you just face these problems you know it's like, Pastor, um, they're going to take my kids away because I can't pay for rent. And it's just like, wow, that's a, that's a really complicated problem. I don't, you know what I mean? And it, uh, your mind just kind of always drifted towards wisdom. And you definitely need wisdom. Amen. But I, I have learned over the years that 90% of the time, what we need is not wisdom. We need courage. 
whole bunch of consequences from, from hiding and running away from what God has called you to. And the only way that you're going to get through and untangle that whole mess is with some courage. You don't need to know what the next step is. You know what it is, and you're afraid to do it. It seems impossible to you. It feels like you're on the banks of the Jordan River, and you don't know how you're going to do it. But God has called you to the other side of that river, and so you put your feet in it, and then you wait for God to dry it up. You just keep doing the wrong thing because it's easier and it's right there and it's at your hand and it's in your control. But God has called you to obey. He's called you to make a step of faith. We desperately need courage. Brothers and sisters, the book of Joshua and the Old Testament, the whole thing is like a a picture of our Christian life. It's true, it happened, we believe it all happened, but it also, we learn in the book of Hebrews, right, that these happened for our instruction. All the thing that God, all the things that God's people went through is for our instruction. And we see Egypt, right, that Egypt has always been symbolic of the bondage of sin. It's not Moses that saves you, <laughs> it's Jesus, <laughs> He saves you out of your sin. And then we see that, that, you know, we get out of the house of bondage. We get saved. We, we get delivered from all of that. And now we end up and we're at the Red Sea. And have you ever been there where it's like, I, I made a profession. I got baptized. And now it's like, now I'm somehow, I don't even know how this happened. But somehow I'm now in a place where I got to make a decision And it feels like I should just go back to doing things the way I used to do. Because it doesn't seem like there's any way forward. And you have to trust God again. The way you trusted him to save you. The way you trusted in the cross to forgive all your sins. The way that you leaned onto him and didn't trust yourself. You got to do it again. And then, you know, God's people wander around in the wilderness And they don't have a permanent home. And of course, that's the picture of this life right now. Like even if we get this building and we and God just blesses us upon blessing and we fix it up, this we can't say this is a permanent home for our church family. That don't make sense. (laughs) Our permanent home is heaven. So We don't make our home here. We are in a tent. Literally, this is a tent, brothers and sisters, and your body is also a tent. And so in the ways that your body needs renovation and it needs an extreme makeover and it's falling apart, I got news for you. That extreme makeover that's permanent isn't going to happen until heaven. And then you have... In the Christian life, the crossing over the Jordan, which so often has been this picture, right, of entering into heaven, into the home, the permanent home, the promised land. 
We used to sing a song here. We haven't sung in a while. On Jordan's stormy banks I stand. <laughs> I am bound. I am bound. I am bound for the promised land. And so God's people went through this whole process, and it becomes a picture to us of this life. I hope it encourages you to know that you may be in the wilderness, but you are bound for the promised land. You are bound to cross the river, and that river may be scary, right? I know that in this community that we have experienced losses in the last month. There's been people we care about and family members who have passed away, neighbors, and Listen, that last river to cross is the scariest river. The Bible calls death our final enemy, but it also says that Jesus had victory over even that. And so this is our story, but it's also the story of our church, amen, and the story of every group of people that are walking together. So we have been walking together, and in a moment, we are going to have a meeting. We're going to pray through and make some decisions. It's not a meeting that, like, should be new to you. We have been sharing this really for months and months. <laughs> Remember a couple weeks ago where Joshua says, where it says in Joshua, um, Every place that the sole of your feet touches will be yours. There is, there is a promise for us that in faith, God wants to do things through us. He wants to possess things. He wants us to have things. He doesn't want us to not wake up early, not get after it, not do anything. I don't know about you, but I'm inviting you to join me. I want to get healthy with you. I want to grow in the Lord with you. I want to see God heal people, save people. I want to see God build this church, amen? I want to see a whole bunch of folks get saved and trained up, ordained, sent out, plant other churches. I don't want to just eke through life. There's a measure of victory that God promises to us right now. He said to Joshua that he would always be with him. He said to Joshua that everywhere he went, all the way to the river Euphrates, it would belong to them. But Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples in my name, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That means that we also have this promise that there's still a bunch of stuff to take. There's still a bunch of victories to be won. There's still a bunch of things to do, and we may be in a time where there's struggle. We may be in a generation where things are hard, but that doesn't mean that in the general malaise of the church, that doesn't mean in the general sleepiness of God's people, that doesn't mean in the, the walls of ice that are left and right, that there can't be like a laser hot beam right here in Gloucester City of God's Spirit on the move. But we have to have faith. We have to have faith. Not faith that is, you know, we're going to do this despite the evidence, but faith that says we are going to move out despite the consequences.
Amen? And so I'm calling you, brothers and sisters, I'm calling you to faith, and I'm calling you to faith in Jesus, to a relationship with him, to grow holy and healthy with us, to, to, to let the Lord change us from the inside out, and to build our community for his glory and the good of this community and the surrounding communities throughout South Jersey. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Um, thank you for Joshua and the crossing of the River Jordan. And help us, Lord, to really deeply grab a hold of your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's continue in worship.